It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the NFL gurus, NFL fanatics. Got Uncle Dave in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter at Dave underscore Essler. Also have Steve Reeder in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter at Avoid the Big. You can get us all at TheBettingPredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. NFL week number eight. Myself, Dave, and Steve. Uh, we went ahead, we chopped out six games off the card. We'll go ahead, handicap those, give you guys the recommendations and our best bets. Guys, I want to go ahead, I want to start it out with the team that surprised everybody last week, and that's the Carolina Panthers. They'll be on the road heading into Atlanta. Atlanta, favorite right now at minus four and a half. We have a total 41 and a half. Steve, kicking it to you first, Carolina, Atlanta. What do you think? Yeah, as you mentioned, Carolina couldn't look any better off a 21-3 drubbing of Buccaneers. Uh, Carolina fired their coach, traded their starting receiver and their star running back, and then went on to beat the GOAT in perhaps the most shocking result of the season. And there have been a lot of shocking results because I've been on the bad bad end of every one of them. Uh, But despite jettisoning Christian McCaffrey, the Panthers ran for 173 yards, 6.4 yards per carry, against one of the best run defenses in the league. P.J. Walker is not a good quarterback. He might not even be replacement level. But in his extremely limited action, he was actually the fourth-ranked quarterback when ignoring the minimum snap requirement. And trust me, there's a very low amount of snaps on that uh, requirement list. Uh, Most importantly, this team appears motivated to prove their doubters wrong and the tanking narrative wrong because they're certainly not doing that. In Atlanta, they have been a team that just had their ATS undefeated streak tarnished in the last week's loss to the Bengals. The Falcons simply can't rush the passer and appear to be without their star cornerback, A.J. Terrell, which is actually a really impactful to their back end there. I make the game Atlanta minus five, so I don't really have value on the side, but I'm intrigued by the over. Carolina's offense is concerning, especially when P.J. Walker is your quarterback, but the Falcons' D is really banged up and, frankly, not very good. Conversely, Carolina's D is really solid. But Atlanta has such a quirky offense that they should still find success, but for me, just a lean to the over. All right, so Steve, going to go ahead and lean to the over there. I like what you said there, Steve, where you you said you've been on the wrong side of you know a bunch of things last week. But what was nice that you didn't make any excuses. So it just goes to show that you're a seasoned vet. You roll with the punches. Sometimes those weak happen, and you got to get right back to work. So it was refreshing to hear that that nobody made any excuses there. All right, Uncle Dave, your turn. Carolina, Atlanta. What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean it's funny that when I think of it, it almost depends when you ask because. I don't love this game, you know. I mean, last Sunday in the morning, I would have been all over Atlanta, but you know, then you know, until Carolina beat Tampa Bay, and I fully expected the Falcons to get drilled by the Bengals, and I had as much said so last week, and and that Barrow was going to have a huge day. I'm just a little pissed. I didn't go ahead and bet that one as well, but you know, now I wonder uh, if Philip Walker will have a big day, or does Carolina stick to their running game? And when that Steve said rush for 173 yards last week. You know, I don't how much of that was Tampa Bay. Just I don't know that that's a team in a little bit of a disarray. I think off the field, um, you know, do we get the Panthers' defense that held Tampa Bay to under fifty yards? Uh, and by the same token, do the Falcons stick to running the ball and not throwing to Drake London and Kyle Pitts? I mean, last week they didn't even when they were behind, which was a little bit shocking to a lot of people. So I think any bet I make on this game is going to be predicated on how I think the game plays out more than anything based on stats or, or perceived edges, if you will. Um, but I'm wondering out loud here is if Atlanta is regressing to who we thought they would be all summer, which is not very good. Uh, and if Carolina is re-energized without Matt Rule, I mean, 
If you remember two weeks ago, a lot of pros had the Panthers plus the points at the Rams, and that's a ticket that almost cashed. I, I think mentally these two teams are in just very different places right now. So, you know, any battle on the side here, uh, it has to be Carolina for me. I mean, Atlanta's beating Seattle, which is nothing new. Cleveland, nothing new. Uh, and the 49ers, um, who were just in a horrible spot in Gifford that game for the Falcons. I mean, I guess I don't know how Atlanta can be favored by that many points. So, uh, by default, I would go with the Panthers. All right. So, I'm on the opposite side of you here, Uncle Dave. I'm making the Atlanta Falcons my best bet. Look, I think at the end of the day, we have to take into consideration what Carolina is and who they actually are. Let's take last week and let's just put that to the side. Nobody saw that happening. Nobody was going ahead and, and betting on Carolina, uh, even with two touchdowns. The fact that they went in there and they took care of Brady, I mean, if that team were ever going to celebrate anything this season, that was the game that that team was celebrating. Now, look, maybe they don't come down to earth because, um, you know, that the, their expectations haven't been really high and maybe they do show up this week. But I do have to take into consideration that they're down to a third-string quarterback and P.J. Walker may have looked good last week or, or half-decent, but they also shipped their best player out of town. So even though this team might be fighting for jobs and things like that, I think at some point there's going to be a point to where, you know, that team just can't overcome, you know, playing good football teams. And it's not like Errol, it's not like Atlanta's good, but this team is covering spreads. They've been half-decent here at home, or they've they beaten San Francisco, Cleveland their last two games at home. So I think Atlanta comes in here off of a loss, especially going on the road against Cincinnati, kind of looking to go ahead and, and, and right the ship. And it's not like Tampa's running away with this division. Like, nobody's running away with this division. Atlanta's live right now. So I think Carolina probably shows up, and it's not who, who we thought that they were. I think it's more of who they actually are. And I think that Atlanta shows up, and they show up in a pretty big way this week. I think there's a chance that they could blow this team out and look to just really just put it, put the smack down on this team and kind of just right all the wrongs that happened with Atlanta last week. So I don't want any part of Carolina. I thought this line would be much higher than this. I understand it's four and a half because Atlanta is not exactly a juggernaut, and Carolina showed life last week. So I get the line. It makes sense to me, but it doesn't make sense in my mind why Carolina is only getting four and a half points when their team actually could be you know, somewhat historically bad. So we'll wait and see. And look, the defense has played good for them. I, I got to give them credit. But I do think that that, that defense, if it's going to let down, it, it's going to be this week here uh, on the road. So I'll make my best bet. Atlanta minus the four and a half. I think they're in for a uh, pretty big game there this week. Let's jump over to your New England Patriots there, Uncle Dave. Uh, they'll be playing the New York Jets. New England minus two and a half. Total 40 and a half. I want your opinion here first, Uncle Dave. See if you sway me off my opinion. How are you feeling about your Patriots this week? Um, well, uh, if I could put my undefeated streak on New England this year on the line. I mean, one thing I do know over the years, though, even the good years for New England, uh, the Jets always play New England tough. Uh, and this is a Patriots team that's obviously on short rest. You know, the Jets are 5-2, and two, not a great schedule, but they won four road games. So, honestly, I don't actually know why they're underdogs here. Um, the Patriots want to run. The Jets defense is third in the league in opponent's yards per rush and actually seventh in opponent's yards per pass. And with that, I can't see anything about an under game, uh, especially when New England is vulnerable to the run. I think the books are giving too much credit to the Patriots for winning a few games, but those wins were over the Steelers and barely uh, Detroit, who sucks, and Cleveland, which was my game of the year. Uh, that was a huge matchup issue, and I don't think this one is. Um, I like the Jets, and, and I saw the Patriots get steamed first thing Monday. I'm not buying it. Um, I know Brees Hall is out, so let's just let's just throw that out there. Um, but that just brings me right back to the under. 
um, which is actually going to be my best bet for this podcast. All right, Uncle Dave, I like that pick. I don't think that that's, that's, that's bad at all. I would agree with you with that one. I, w- I would certainly go ahead and like that play too. For me, I do worry about the Jets though. Like it's five and two record, look really good. They get, they're you know they're making the uh, the Monday morning rounds on their uh, on all their radio shows and in the, the national TV shows because they're going out there and beating teams. But I do worry about them a little bit. Like they played Brissett, got a win against him. They played Trubisky. I believe it was Trubisky at that time. Beat Trubisky. They beat, I forget the guy's name for Miami. I think it was like Shane Thompson. And then they took down Aaron Rodgers and and give credit where credit's due. But let's be real, my Green Bay Packers, they're not that good of a football team. I mean, I said that in the beginning of the year that they were going to struggle. And then last week, I think, who'd they play? Like Mark Rippon's son? Like add up the quarterbacks that this Jets team has played this year, extremely fortunate, extremely fortunate. And they're going out there and they're beating these guys. And that's cool. And the Patriots kind of fall in line here. Like, is it going to be Zappy? Is it going to be Mac Jones? I would rather Mac Jones, to be honest with you. I think if Mac Jones quarterbacks, I would give New England a half-decent chance to probably go into New York and beat this team. But they are 5-2, and two, so you know they're going to come fighting for this one. I think the Jets' defense steps up. I think the Patriots' defense has to step up because if the quarterbacks can't move the ball up and down the field, some way, somehow, they got to keep themselves in this game. So I like the under there with you there, Uncle Dave. As far as leaning to his side here, I don't want any part of it. I'm not sure that this New York Jets team is a legit 5-2 and two team. They could be the, one of the worst 5-2 and two teams that we've seen, and they could go on this massive slide saying, oh, it was only a matter of time. They haven't played any good quarterbacks yet. So outside of Aaron Rodgers, who's not even good right now. So that's my pick there, Uncle Dave. I'm with you with the under. How about you, Steve? How are you feeling? Well, before the Monday night game, this line opened up New England minus 1.5. Despite an embarrassing effort against the Bears, this line is now minus two and a half. The market is chalking it up as a fluke, and I kind of tend to agree. Uh, There was some speculation that although Bill Belichick is a great coach, he struggles against the most mobile quarterbacks, and it's just something that I didn't consider before the game. Uh, And Wilson is sort of mobile. He's not in the same way that Fields is, so I don't know how much that comes into play in this one. Uh, This matchup with a young and experienced Really? Can you hear me now or not? Steve, you're all muffled. Yeah, now I can hear All right, I'm going to start over if that's cool. We're muffled right from the beginning. All right, cool. All right, before the Monday night game, this line opened up New England minus one and a half. And despite an embarrassing effort against the Bears, the line is actually now minus two and a half. The market is chalking up as the loss is a fluke. And I kind of agree with that as well. Uh, There was some conversation that Bill Belichick struggles against uh, mobile quarterbacks. And Zach Wilson is mobile, but not in the same way that Justin Fields is. This matchup with a young, inexperienced quarterback should prove beneficial for New England. But I feel this is the same narrative that I had in regards to the Bears last week, which I got completely wrong. There appears to be some sort of quarterback controversy with New England, even if it's just a fan base talking. And Bill Belichick knows it's going to be Mac Jones when he's fully healthy. And I'm curious how that plays out in the locker room and on the field. We saw the fans erupt when um, Zappi entered the game. At 5-2 and two and at home, the Jets have to feel disrespected as an underdog. They've been chomping at the bit for a long time to get in the position where they're viewed better as the Patriots, better than the Patriots. After years of living in the Patriots' shadow, they finally have the opportunity to seek that revenge. It's a different group than last year, but the Patriots did beat the Jets in their two meetings by a combined score of 79-19. to The Patriots have two of their next three games against the Jets. You have to think that Belichick has significant resources devoted to scheming up a plan to stop the Jets in this one. I'm thrilled for the Jets. I'm thrilled for their fans. 
But this is not a game I'm rushing to the window to back them. Even at the current price, I lean New England. All right, good stuff there from everybody on that one. Steve, going to go ahead and lean to the Patriots. Let's jump over to our next game here. Uh, we got Miami at Detroit current line in this game. Miami minus three and a half, total 51 and a half. I can't get to a freaking side on this game. I tried. I, I don't know how the hell anybody could bet Miami at minus three and a half. I think a lot of people are actually going to do that. This smells like a sheep's to the slaughterhouse pick to me. I mean, Miami did everything that they could last week to go ahead and lose to Pittsburgh, and they still somehow managed to win that game. But I'm not I'm not going to go ahead and back Miami here on the road. They haven't exactly been great on the road this year. I think they played three road games, and they lost two in their last two. Uh, haven't looked all that great. Now I get it, you know, two of not out there, but still. And the Lions, that, that offense is just simply just struggling. They put up zero points against New England, six points against Dallas. And this Miami defense probably going to come in here and probably try to play a little rough and tough. I, I could understand maybe some people trying to look, maybe looking at backing that under, but it's just scary because Detroit's defense at times could just be pretty bad. So I can't get to a side total or or anything really in this game. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pass this one. I might watch it, but more than anything, it's it's a pass for me and just probably a game that I probably won't be too involved in. How about you there, Uncle Dave? How are you feeling about the Dolphins and Lions? Yeah, I mean, my first thought, it would be way too easy to take Miami. And I think the Bozos will do just about that. Um, you know, let's look a little deeper here. The Dolphins didn't get into the end zone after the first quarter Sunday night. And if Pickett doesn't throw three interceptions, they're probably not even winning that game. And I know the Lions lost to Dallas. On the scoreboard, it looks like a typical Lions non-covered. But they actually led at halftime. It was a 10-6 game heading into the fourth quarter at Dallas. Lions committed five turnovers. You know, aside from that, the stats are actually pretty similar. And honestly, losing the turnover battle five to one and only losing the game by eighteen is a pretty good feat for me. And I could easily pile on the golf sucks bandwagon. Uh, and while I'm not on the golf is okay train, you know, let's not forget the Dallas defense is one of the best in the NFL. So all those little things take me far away from the fish here. I mean, and as you kind of mentioned, Sleepy, that Miami has not fared well on the road at all. And looking at their schedule, it says four and three. But in fairness, there are a couple of plays from being one and five. I know the Lions have scored six points in two games, but again, against Dallas uh, on the road and New England, both on the road. Uh, at home, they put up points, actually 35 or, or more in each of their three games. So with that said, uh, I do agree with the initial, initial move to the over, uh, but I have to question whether there's real value left. So I'm going to wait on that. But uh, Miami only uh, being a field goal favorite, which is somewhat telling because, you know, I think you'd almost expect a higher number. So, you know, looking at the home road splits for both teams, I'm going to back the Lions even if I'm the only one. Yeah, and, and you know, Uncle Dave, I, if I was really forced to put my money down, it was the last money that I had, I would probably go ahead and back Detroit. And here, here's the reason why, is that a lot of people are looking at Detroit's offense and it hasn't been good, but their wide receiver core has been so banged up. I'm on St. Brown's coming back. They're going to get guys coming back this week. I think Swift might actually end up returning here uh, either this week or maybe next week. So this Lions offense is going to look a lot better. I think it's going to look similar to what we saw, you know, in the beginning of the year. You know, one thing that I do know about that Pittsburgh defense, I guarantee you that that defense was uh, all hands on deck with the all hands team. I mean, I don't know how many interceptions they dropped, and I think that that might be a concern, you know, coming into this game is that, you know, Detroit's pass rush isn't all that bad, but Tua was looking to get rid of that ball as soon as possible. And look, I get it. You know, the guy had pretty nasty injury there, you know, concussions back to back. Maybe he's just forcing the ball out of there too quick, 
But I mean, if you guys watched the game and saw the same stuff that I did, those those defensive backs were literally just dropping the football. And and you said it there, Uncle Dave. If Pickett doesn't throw uh, those picks and two, it, it could have been completely flipped. Instead of being minus three, it could have been plus three. And that game, I don't want to say it's not close, but I I don't think Miami finds a way to win that game. All right, so good stuff there. How about you, Steve? How are you feeling about Miami Detroit? Well, I'm not feeling really good that I am differing opinions than uh, Dave. And for you, the line seems short to me. Lines got a lot of love this year, but their play hasn't backed it up. They have lost their last two games by a combined score of 53 to 6. And everything that you folks mentioned, I agree with. I, probably that score should have been a lot closer. Uh, certainly the Dallas final score wasn't necessarily indicative of the game itself. But the fact remains, Detroit came up short off of a bye. The in-your-face, chew-their-kneecap motivation makes good for TV. But after two years of listening to it, is it getting old? Sitting at 1-5 and five straight up in ATS, Lions can't possibly believe they have a shot at making the playoffs. To me, the Dolphins are a buy-low candidate. They're still 4-3 and three and right in the thick of the playoff race. Their well-documented quarterback injuries have stunted their AFC ascension. And last week's game was ugly. The Steelers' D will do that to you. They're really, really underrated defense, in my opinion. The Lions' D may be the complete other end of the spectrum. They have yet to give up a, a less than 24 points in the season. I'm holding out for a 27 for Miami total. I don't think I'm going to get it. Uh, if 27 and a half is the best that I, is in the market, I'll probably play that at post. Uh, I don't anticipate this number going back to three. It start, looks like it might even go up to four here momentarily. It would be an official play for me if it does get to three. So I, I'm, I'm against Dave and Sleepy on this one. And I, I don't feel great about that, but I, I do like Miami, and I think I'm bullish on them moving forward. Well, like Uncle Dave said there, Steve, you're going to be in the crowd of bozos this week. So at least you know where you're at. So <laughs> at least you got that going for you. All right, so let's go. Let's jump over to our next game here, guys. We got Arizona at Minnesota. Current line in this game, Minnesota minus three and a half. We have a total of 39. Steve, kicking it right back over to you. Cardinals, Vikings, what are you thinking? Minnesota, five and one straight up, five and one against the spread, uh, riding a four-game winning streak, sitting on top of the division with a two and a half game lead. That's not exactly the best time to go to a buy. How motivated are they going to be with time off? Are they going to be focused and ready to get back out there? They're probably going to be spending a whole bunch of time home with their family, I would assume. Uh, with home teams off their, their buy underperforming anyway as a trend, I'm certainly not looking to back the Vikings, especially because I think they're overrated to begin with. But Arizona has taken a ton of money, and it just hasn't taken mine. I, I can't get behind this team either. I make the game four 4.75 based on my power ratings. This might be one I get involved with in-game. Arizona is a much better second-half team than they are to start the game. Uh, I'm looking to potentially play the cards in the second half, for the second half. Uh, but right now, I it just I don't really want a part of either team. I, I think they're both inflated right now. And, and with the money coming on Arizona, I don't think there's any value at the market. I don't understand the, the non-love here for the Vikings. Like, look, they're a 5-1 and one football team right now, leading the NFC North. And they've won four games straight in a row. And that's what worries me is why is there no love? Like, why is this line not Vikings minus six? So that's worrisome. And and I'm not a believer in this Cardinals team uh, really whatsoever. For me, it would be just lay the points here with the Vikings because they are the better team. But sometimes the market does sway me, but sometimes it doesn't. I'm not a believer in the market right now with this game. I think the Vikings are clearly the better team. Well, I'm going to get Kirk Cousins in the 1, 1 p.m. out. I don't know who the hell is going to be able to guard Jefferson. Uh, this game could actually turn into a route, and this game could actually turn into a two-point game. 
because the Vikings go out there and underperform and the Cardinals overperform. I'd, I'm not necessarily sure, you know, where, where the where the dislike for this Vikings team's coming in here. But look, if they're operating on all cylinders, that offense could do what it needs to do. And this Cardinals offense right now, I mean, it's it's down the bare bones. I mean, is is DeAndre Hopkins really boosting this team up that much? He'll only be in back for a handful of snaps. I'm not buying it. I would take Minnesota. I'd lay the three and a half. I know it's not a, a an ideal number for us to lay. But I think that they'll straighten the narrative out this week about, you know, who they are and what they're trying to do. So I would back the Vikings. I don't want any part of Arizona. So that's where I'm at right now. How about you, Uncle Dave? How are you feeling about the Cardinals and Vikings? Well, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with you. I mean, this is likely the one game on our list that, that first look I really had no idea. I mean, Arizona keeps getting dumped on by the media, and people are already anointing the Vikings NFC North champs. I mean, yeah, the Vikings had the bye week, but – Arizona has extra rest from playing on a Thursday. So other than maybe a little prep time uh, advantage for Minnesota, both teams are pretty rested. And, and I, I know Arizona had that nine-point offensive outburst in Seattle, but, you know, then they came back, and if you look on paper, they scored 42 on a decent Saints team. But 14 of those points are at the expense of Andy Dalton and a couple of quick pick sixes. And, you know, Arizona was outgained in that game by almost 170 yards, uh, eventually letting Dalton throw for 360. So... You know, admittedly, some of that was because the Saints had no choice, but Arizona only scored 14 second-half points, so I think that was a little bit of a deceiving score. Um, you know, Minnesota's clearly aware of the fact that they can put some considerable distance between them and the rest of the division with a win, and I think Steve might have mentioned they got Washington next week, so they, they are in a good spot, and yet, as you mentioned, you know, all that early money's uh, by Arizona from plus 6.5 to plus 3.5, and, and actually, it's circa, it's a very weak 3.5, and I don't know why. I mean, surely that can't be from Udo's arrest in Miami, but, you know, maybe it speaks to something else. You know, the head coach maybe doesn't have respect. Uh, maybe he doesn't have the team. I don't know. So for now, I'm going to pass this game. But if it gets much lower, you know, if I can get three, I'll take Minnesota. I mean, you, you know, this is a classic. Wow, that's a that's a huge market telling you, telling you something there. Um, I could always tease Arizona up, but I, I despise buying three of those points when I could have had them free. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think that just following the market and taking Arizona would, would be, I, I would be bullshit if, if, if Minnesota kicked their ass. So, uh, you know, I would either buy it to three or, or maybe it would go to three by itself. But I, I can't take Arizona. It has to be Minnesota or nothing. All right. Good stuff on that game. Let's jump over to our next year. We got the Las Vegas Raiders. They'll be on the road here uh, going into New Orleans. Current line in this game right now, New Orleans minus one. Total 49 and a half. Steve, I'll go ahead and throw it over to you first for this one. Raiders, Saints, what do you think? Raiders are uh, maybe two and four, but they're tied for eighth in my power ratings. Nearly two points better than the average team. After a slow start, they went 0-3. All three losses were one-score contests. They're now won two of their last three, and their one loss was a one-point loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, who are you know, arguably the best team in the league, if not second. They're averaging six yards per play, which is good for seventh in the league. It's definitely a team that I'm bullish on. I, I, I want to be bullish on the Saints as well. There is a uh, there's a good team in New Orleans. I know it. And unfortunately, I think it's on the injury report. 
if this team could ever get healthy, I think it could be formidable. Uh, but unless we see some kind of, of people coming off of the injury report, some of those key contributors coming back to that offense, I can't look at the side here. With that said, I have the Saints teased up with the Ravens. Regardless of the total, both of these teams have gone over their last four games. But there's been a three-point line move since the opener, and I'm not touching it after it moves three points in that direction. Uh, this is going to be probably a pass for me. All right, so Steve going to go ahead and pass. I think I misspoke and actually said that the Saints were favored in this game. Raiders are actually favored in this game, uh, minus one. Uh, Uncle Dave, you're up with this one. How are you feeling about the Raiders and Saints? Yeah, I mean, I like this game, Sleepy. The Saints played with some heart in Arizona. When it would have been easy and almost understandable for them to, to fold after those two quick sixes, pick sixes right before halftime. And, and I'm just not buying into the Raider narrative here. I mean, they beat Houston by 18. While I'm happy that they did, because my best bet cashed on that total for everyone last week, you know, they were losing at home going into the fourth quarter to Houston. To Houston. Uh, and in that game, they were outgained. They let Houston average 6.2 yards per play, and they allowed the Texans to convert third, uh, 60% of their third downs. I mean, their defense was a big reason why I loved that over last week and a big reason why I can't take them on the road this week. You know, if and when I, I do that a road team, my preference would be that they can play defense, and, and that's just not going to rate it. I'm not, you know, people people want to point to the offense and Carr and Jacobs and, and Adams and yada, 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 but they can't stop anybody. And, you know, I have to ask myself why the Raiders – off a seemingly impressive 18-point win that really wasn't impressive at all, uh, are only minus two uh, or whatever at the Saints. When most people saw the Saints last Thursday, I mean, it was a national TV game, throwing away, literally throwing away a game in Arizona. I mean, the Saints have been putting up points. I think they've got 25 or more in, in four straight games. And, you know, then there's the Raiders who have not won a road game this season. And actually, they're on the East Coast again next week playing Jacksonville. So that's not necessarily ideal. Uh, and the Raiders' only other win, aside from that Texas win, was over the Broncos. Uh, and they let the Broncos score 23 points, which is about 22 more than the Broncos scored on anybody else. Um, I think the Saints have accounted themselves pretty well with, with the quarterback issue. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Thomas Landry, Andrews Pete Troutman, um, any of whom could see the field this week. So I'm going to go with the Saints, who, even at 2-5, and five, they're only a game out of the NFC South. And... You know, this could be a WTF, WTF game. I, I, I like New Orleans at home. All right, good stuff on that game there, Uncle Dave. I like the under in this game, actually. I think if the Saints want to throw this game away, then just let Andy Dalton go out there and throw the football. I think that this Raiders defense is bad enough that you can run against them. So I think we see a lot of running here uh, from New Orleans. And I think this New Orleans defense has kind of disappointed a little bit, but I think they're going to play their rear ends off this week. And look, the Raiders have no problem handing the ball off to Josh Jacobs. He's been one of the best running backs in the league uh, for a number of weeks now, clearly playing his best football. So I think we actually see a lot more running in this game. I think people will probably clamor to the over. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to get to 51, 51 and a half. That's where I'd like to be. But I'll play it at 49 and a half just for the podcast. But I will wait a little bit. But if it starts getting to like 49, it starts creeping down to like 48. I'm just going to have to go ahead and hurry up and fire on like a 49 or something like that. So I like this game under. I think we see a lot of running in this game, a game that a lot of people might expect to go over. Uh, I'm not buying it. I'm going the other way. I think this is probably one of the better wise guy plays of the week. Uh, with that out of the way, let's go ahead. Let's jump over to Steve's New York Giants. They're going to be on the road here at Seattle. Interesting line here. 
Giants, what are they there, Steve? Six and one, five and one on the year, and they're catching points here against Seattle. Seattle just lost one of their top wide receivers. We have a total of 44 and a half. I want your opinion here first, Steve, because I have a pretty strong selection on this game. Yeah, considering the preseason expectation, the fact that neither of these teams are, aren't tanking is surprising. The fact that this is the only game featuring both teams with a winning record this week is downright absurd. Even with the fanfare and the record, I only have the Giants actually 18th in my power ratings. Seattle tied for 23rd. Uh, this is a way better story than they are teams. Uh, still, I think we have value in the game. The Giants had to fly to Jacksonville, back to New York, and then to Seattle. Not exactly ideal, but I generally feel that travel's overrated, especially with the accommodations that they have uh, nowadays. Uh, they also lost a right tackle, Evan Neal, to injury, uh, but PFF has him graded under 50, so I'm not sure how much of a drop-off it is from the starter to the backup in this one. I'm much more concerned about the availability of DK Metcalf for Seattle, which you mentioned. Uh, I've spoken a lot about Geno's revelation, and the Giants are susceptible on the back end. But only worrying about one great receiver is a lot easier for Wink to scheme for. Uh, next week, the Giants are on a bye. So all attention will be paid to Seattle. There's nothing else to prep for. While the Seahawks have a date with division rival Arizona on deck, considering the division title implications, Seattle could be a little bit distracted here in a way that they didn't anticipate. I really like the Giants in the second half, so I'll be looking at them in-game. But with the leading indicator book slowly starting to leak in the Giants' direction, I'm going to take the G-men catching a field goal. All seven of their games have been one-score contests, and they won six of them. Certainly there is some luck in there, but this team believes in themselves, their coach, and their quarterback. They have been in tough games before and found ways to win. I fully expect them to do the exact same thing here. Give me the Giants plus three for my best bet for this podcast. All right, so Steve going to go ahead and back his Giants there plus the three. I'm with you. I'll go ahead. I'll take the Giants. Look, the Giants are finding ways to win games, and I think that good teams eventually find ways to win games. Um, you know, when, when sometimes just things aren't going their way, but the Giants have found a way and Seahawks have found a way too. But I think the Seahawks are going to end up being put in a situation to where they become one dimensional for this game. Give credit where credit's due to Ken Walker. Um, after Richard Penny went down, I mean, this was the next guy in line or the guy that was supposed to take over. He looks really good right now. But I think Metcalf not being able to be on the field here, and like you said there, Steve, it's going to be kind of like a one-man show with the wide receiver core. I could see Seattle really looking to just try to run the ball and drive it down the Giants' throat. And I think that that's going to put them in a, you know, probably some third and longs that they're not going to want to be in at times. Look, the Giants are, are playing good football, and they, I think that they realize, like, right now being 6-1 and one on the year, that this team, they could rattle off a win here and more than likely rattle off another, another win next week. This team has a easy – it's crazy to even think this, that, like, the Giants could end up with, like, a potential first-round bye or hosting a home game. But in reality, their schedule is that easy. So I think that they go into each and every game with with the highest motivation. Like, it, it's hard for me to, to even envision the Giants having this, like, a, a, a letdown any week just because of, of the teams that they're playing. So, I don't know. And they're not looking past anybody because I think they actually take a look in the mirror at this Giants team and say, you know, this is who we are. And there's always something with this Giants team that they can get better at each and every week. So, I like the Giants. I like everything that that that's kind of going on with this team right now. Seattle just a little banged up. I think they will be one-dimensional. I know they're at home and I know they're off of a big win. And that coming off of a big win against the Chargers worries me, you know, with this particular team. So, I'll take the points here with the Giants. I'm with you there, Steve. I wish I could get three and a half, but three is just fine for me. How about you there, Uncle Dave? How are you feeling about New York, Seattle? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot to dump on this one that you guys already already haven't haven't thrown out there. I mean, Steve mentioned that the flights, and yeah, it, it's a long series of flights from Florida to New York to Seattle. So, you know, I'm not enamored with that. Um, you know, Seattle being a, a, a Monday was a, a weak three point favorite, and that line's not moving. You know, what are they telling us? I mean, do the books still don't believe in the Giants, or is Seattle better than we think, or both? I mean, you know, the Seahawks have covered three or four, almost four or four. Uh, they're an over team. New York's an under team. Uh, I think the bottom line for me is it's hard for me to get to a side here. I mean, uh, New York wants to run. Seattle has trouble stopping the run. That could shorten the game. Uh, on the other hand, Seattle's number one in yards per rush, and the Giants are actually DFL and opponent yards per rush. So with that said, that could shorten the game. So I think until these teams figure out what they want to do, uh, it's probably a second-half bet for me. Uh, but I do like the first half to stay under. And that would, you know, I'll just, I'll just lay off a side here. I, I just think there's way too many variables as to how that can play out. So, uh, my bet would be the first half under. All right, so Uncle Dave, going to go ahead and take a look at the first half under. Well, that'll wrap it up, guys. You got our best bets, good stuff from everybody this week. Make sure you guys check out my podcast with Smooth and Dan later on uh, for part two. You guys will get the rest of the remaining games there for the NFL card on Sunday. But that'll wrap it up. You guys know where to find us on Twitter at SlippyJ underscore pregame, at Dave underscore Essler, at AvoidTheVig. You guys could always get us at TheBettingPredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NFL week number eight. Enjoy the game. <laughs>